do hope you'll be in prayer for us this morning uh, as we gather together. Uh, I know we're kind of a small group this morning, but uh, uh, that doesn't mean the Lord can't be here to bless. So I uh, hope that you'll pray for this pray for this time that we have together. Uh, you know, as uh, uh, as we get around this time of the year, end of the year, first of the, first of the new year, I always think about a number of different things. This past year, uh, we. Uh, started out preaching about some of the basic doctrinal things of, uh, of God's Word uh, and some of the things that uh, that are taught, started out talking about the sovereignty of God and uh, may touch back on that a little bit this morning and, of course, some things that are on our mind. Uh, but, you know, I, I got to thinking about, you know, kind of like year in review, you know, about thinking about what all we've, what all has gone, gone past this year, you know, and not only the things that we've talked about and the things that we've preached on, <clears throat> but thinking particularly about... Uh, many of the folks that are that are gathered together here this morning over the past past year, we have uh, experienced uh, weddings uh, that have taken place, and in, uh, in, in our families, and uh, uh, we've experienced uh, uh, loss and sickness, and many things that have, that uh, that come with it. <clears throat> and as I think about 2018, uh, if the Lord doesn't come back uh, tonight, uh, then. Uh, I expect that over the course of the coming year, we will experience uh, many times of joy uh, and many times of happiness uh, and many times of just uh, devastating loss uh, because that's the way uh, life is. And so uh, we think about uh, the cancers that people have uh, that have facing them, uh, the other sicknesses that people have facing them, uh, and we think... Uh, uh, pray, pray that God will deliver them during the coming year and heal, the, heal, heal their bodies. Uh, and uh, if not, uh, God's still king. Uh, he still reigns supreme. Uh, and we look back on little babies and young children and think about all that they may have in front of them, both from uh, happiness and, and sorrow that they'll face in their lives. And so uh, you say, well, well what... So what do we do? You know, right? And uh, you know, what, how does that how does that blend in with what we might do here uh, in in the coming year? And so, uh, if the Lord will bless us for just a little while this morning, I want us I want us to think about uh, a portion of Scripture that we find uh, in the book of, of uh, Lamentations. I started to say Jeremiah because uh, Lamentations is written by Jeremiah, uh, but we'll look at the book of Lamentations and think about. Uh, the situation that uh, Jeremiah was facing, uh, and uh, you know, think about where his hope came from. And as we think about that this morning for a little while, in in the in the in a place of of kind of despair that he was in at that time, uh, and knowing uh, somewhat of what was lying in front of them, and maybe even the situation that he was already currently in. Uh, he had a place that he could go to to find his his joy, his uplifting. Uh, and uh, as I think about what we face uh, in the coming year, we, there may be times where we have to dig down uh, deep inside ourselves spiritually and say, where does our joy come from? Where, where do we find in the face of uh, sickness, cancer, death, uh, national troubles, uh, degrading morals in the and the and the where are we going to find our joy and our hope and our deliverance in in all where are we going to find that you know and so if I if I plan in you this morning just a, a thought about these scriptures so that we can turn back and look at that from time to time and keep that on our mind during the course of the coming year 
And as we think about uh, God's compassions to us, then may, may we also think about and how Christ showed his compassion while he was here in the world. Then as we go through this coming year, help us, uh, may God bless us to be more compassionate uh, to those around us because of, uh, you know, a lot of times we do understand the things that people are facing. Many times we don't understand. But it doesn't mean we can't be compassionate uh, and, and follow the example of Jesus Christ uh, because he's our example. Brother, uh, Brother Adams has been preaching to us the words of Jesus through the book of Matthew during the course of this year. Uh, and we may touch on some por- a place or two in Matthew this morning uh, as we talk about this for a little while. But Christ show- continually showed compassion to those that were around about him. Uh, and yet, I'm reminded, uh, the Bible tells us in, uh, in Romans chapter 9, uh, something that, uh, that we uh, might, might not can be in the place of. But the Bible tells us God is sovereign. Uh, God shows compassion on whom he will. And whom he does not, he doesn't show compassion. So uh, while, while we think about, well, we need to be compassionate like Christ, we do. Uh, we also need to remember that God, God and Jesus Christ are not all just compassion. Uh, they are also a time for judgment, a time for wrath. Uh, and Christ had compassion on whom he would and whom he did not. He did not have compassion. But when he does show compassion, I think he set an example for you and me. Uh, of how we're to have uh, where our hearts should be and the way that uh, that we should live our lives. There's one thing for sure. You and I, <laughs> when we don't show compassion, we'll never do it as justly and as righteously as Christ <laughs> because God, God knows all things. He knows who uh, whom he should be compassionate to and maybe who he shouldn't be compassionate to. You and I maybe have no idea of those kind of things. Uh, but I bring that portion of Scripture up to say, you know, just because if we're not careful, we'll get to. If I don't want us to get to being like some people who say, "Well, God is love. God is love," and and that's all we ever think about God is, because God is much more than that. Uh, even in His wrath uh, and His chastisement, He does it because He loves us. I know that. Uh, but uh, one day His wrath's going to be poured out on this old world because of their sin, <laughs> and He will be just in doing that. So let's turn over to the Book of Lamentations, and we'll find there the situation, the setting, if you will, is a time when uh, Jeremiah has been preaching to the uh, children of Israel uh, that God's wrath is coming. Uh, I think I may have even mentioned as we were talking about uh, last Sunday many of the prophecies that were leading up to the time of the coming of Christ. Uh, we could turn over to Second Chronicles, and I may just turn over there real quickly, uh, chapter 36 for just a minute. And we find over in Second, Th- uh, Second Chronicles uh, the time and the setting in, in chapter 36 of, of the prophet Jeremiah. Uh, it's the time when the last kings of, of Judah are in place and, uh, and, and, and God has already pronounced that judgment was coming upon them. And he says, uh, <clears throat> I'll just maybe find a place here uh, to start. He said, uh, therefore he brought, the Chaldee, uh, uh, brought the, them the king of the Chaldees, verse 17, 2 Chronicles 36. Therefore he brought upon them the king, of the, the king of the Chaldees who slew their young men with a sword in the house of their sanctuary and had no compassion upon young man or maiden or old man or, or him that stooped for age. He gave them all into his hand. So in this case, we have a case where as God was declaring judgment on Israel and the, and the reason for the judgment, 
judgment, we'll get to that it's in this portion of Scripture, is because they had uh, not taken and kept the Sabbath day holy. Uh, uh, today, and I think I mentioned this again last Sunday, you know, we have take, made such a mockery out of the first day of the week these days. We don't, we don't set it aside as really a day of rest. I know it's not the exact same thing as the seventh day, the Sabbath day, but we do celebrate and meet together and assemble together on the uh, first day of the week. And if we're going, if this is going to be our new Christian Sabbath, if you will, it ought to be a day where we set aside a day of rest, a day of thinking about the Lord and meditating upon him. The children of Israel had not let their land lay aside and had not plant on that land every seventh year as God had instructed them to. And because of that, uh, 490 years had passed by where they had continued to plant uh, every, every year. So every, you know, they didn't let the seventh year be a, day, a year of rest where God told them, if you'll let the land rest and give it a Sabbath also, I will bless you in the sixth year so that you'll have enough for the sixth year and the seventh year. And, you know, being like they were at many times and like we see the merchants of today, you know, why should I shut down on Sunday, you know? Uh, you know, I can make more money by, by being open on Sunday. Well, I got, I got news for all. If they want to see a good example today, we'll just flip over to Chick-fil-A and we'll see a, a company that takes Sunday off and I, they haven't gone broke. You know what? They, they seem to be doing amazingly well. Uh, uh, most of the time, I can't get in line at Chick-fil-A, by the way, if I'm trying to get in the drive-thru. But anyway, that's a whole other story. Uh, but, you know, they seem to be doing fairly well and they're taking that seventh, uh, uh, that, uh, seventh day off, giving their employees a rest, giving uh, themselves a rest, and God is blessing them to do well. Well, anyway, the children of Israel decided, hey, like most of the people today, we can just make so much more if we just uh, uh, plant these fields every every year. Well, God told them to give the land a rest. Uh, and after 490 years, uh, you know, God is so long-suffering. <laughs> God gave, God gave, kept giving them room. He kept sending them prophets. He kept sending them people to say, repent, repent, do these things. Turn back to God. Don't worship false gods. Don't follow after these things. And they continued on down their path. And, you know, the, uh, you know in, in their lifespans, in, their, in this, this time of the year, their, their, uh, this time of history, their lifespans were probably like ours. You know, they're living 80, 90, 100 years, you know. And so they would, they would continue to commit the things that they were committing. And they'd look around and say, I know God said not to, but nothing's happening, you know, so everything must be okay. It must be God must uh, must have decided, changed his mind on that issue. 490 years passed by. And then God sent the Babylonians down into Jerusalem. He took all their young men and he had no compassion. <laughs> no compassion on young man or maiden or old man or him that stooped for age. He gave them all into his hand. And all the vessels of the house of God, great and small, and the treasures of the house of the Lord, and the treasures of the king and the princes, all these he brought to Babylon. He took all the wealth, all the things God had blessed them with, and he sent it down to another country. And they burnt the house of God, and they break down the wall of Jerusalem, and they burnt the palaces thereof with fire, and destroyed all the goodly vessels thereof. And and them that had escaped from the sword carried he away to Babylon, where they were servants to him and his sons until the reign of the kingdom of Persia. So until Cyrus and until Persia came in and conquered Babylon, he says they were down there and they were in captivity to the king of Babylon to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah until the land had enjoyed her Sabbaths. For as long as she lay desolate, she kept the Sabbath for, uh, to fulfill threescore 
in 10 years. So 490 years, you can figure it up. There had been 70 Sabbaths. And God says, I'm getting my Sabbaths for the land back. Three score and 10 years, they were down there. And they, God prophesied that they would be down there in Babylon captivity till the 70 years. And then uh, Cyrus would uh, issue a decree. And uh, verse 22 goes on and says, In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord spoken by the mouth of Jeremiah be, might be accomplished. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, the king of Persia, and he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it into writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, all the kingdoms of the earth hath the Lord God of heaven given to me. And he had charged me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah, uh, who is there? who is there among you of all the people. The Lord his God be with him and let him go up. So he kept him there 70 years and then uh, God inspired Cyrus, a Gentile king, to issue the proclamation that he was going to build a house again. You can read about that in Nehemiah and Ezra, how they went back and rebuilt the walls and rebuilt the temple and all those things that occurred down there. Uh, he had sent the people back uh, through the, through the uh, decree of Cyrus, the king of Persia. So this setting, this time when they're being taken captive, is all during the time of the prophet Jeremiah. And Jer Jeremiah, you can read the book of Jeremiah sometime, and uh, you'll see how Jeremiah was constantly warning the children of Israel, turn away from your false gods, turn away back, turn back to worshiping after them. And uh, Jeremiah got so frustrated at one point in time, uh, you know, he says, I'm not going to speak in the name of God anymore because all the people are mocking me and making fun of me and, and, and doing these things. And he says, I'm not even going to speak in God's name anymore. And Jeremiah records there, I think in about the fourth chapter, he said, but it was like a fire uh, set up inside of me. I, I couldn't refuse any longer. And eventually he came back and spoke and continued to prophesy in the name of the Lord. So here in Lamentations, we have him going through uh, various prayers, talking about how, uh, you know, the God is... Uh, has brought judgment and, and bringing judgment upon the children of Israel. And uh, it has grieved him, has sorrowed him to see what's going on. And when we get to chapter 3, uh, in, in the middle of chapter 3, <coughs> and I'll just start with about verse 18 of the third chapter of the book of Lamentations. He says, And I said, My strength and my hope is perished from the Lord. Remembering mine affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall, my soul hath them still in remembrance and is, and is humbled me. So he's in much sorrow. He's in uh, uh, much despair, seeing what's happened, having prophesied what's going to happen to Jerusalem and seeing that it's happened. It says, my soul, uh, uh, remembering mine afflictions and my misery, the wormwood and the gall, my soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. This I recall to, to my mind, therefore have I hope. <clears throat> it, is the Lord's, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him. To the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. He sitteth alone and keepeth silence because he hath borne it upon him. He putteth his mouth in the dust. Uh, if so be, there may be, uh, may be hope. Uh, he giveth his check to him that smiteth, cheek to him uh, that smiteth him. Uh, he is filled full with reproach for the Lord will not cast off forever. 
For though he he cause grief, but though he cause grief, yet will he have compassion according to the multitude of his mercies. God will have compassion. God did not forget. It wasn't like he sent them off down to, to Babylon uh, uh, and forgot about them. Uh, even during the time as we talked about over here over the number, last number of months going through the book of Exodus and talking about how God sent the children of Israel down there for 400 years of captivity but God had a purpose for them being down there uh, even, in their, in, even in their time of slavery even in their time of servitude even in their time of suffering God had sent them down there to make a nation out of them. Uh, that as they were over there in the land of Goshen, separated from the Egyptians, uh, uh, God continued to bless them with food, with water, uh, and they became a nation that uh, they had been 70 of the, of the tribe of Jacob uh, when they had come down there into that land. And they left out of there millions strong, uh, uh, some 400 years later, and able to go back to Israel uh, and go back over there and take that land and conquer that land and the cities there. Of, uh, and we know that there was reasons why the 400 years and why they waited, uh, waiting for the iniquities of, uh, of the Amorites to be fulfilled and all those things uh, uh, that God might bring judgment upon them. But God had a purpose down there for them. And God had a purpose in sending the children of Israel into captivity for 70 years. One, He was letting the land rest because He had promised, uh, told them to do that, and they didn't do it, so God got the rest back. Uh, I wonder sometimes today, uh, uh, when we look out on our our country. Uh, uh, we're uh, so flaunting the things of God and the moralities of God and the service of God and the day of God and the time when we're to set aside our worship. Uh, and and I know people will say, well, this country wasn't founded on those things. Uh, uh, my friends, uh, I believe the founding fathers thought it was uh, uh, and, and many of them did. Uh, and so uh, we look back and say, how was this nation established and set up? Uh, and you say, well, <clears throat> it's been 200 something years since this nation was set up. God waited 490 years uh, uh, down there for the children of Israel and gave them room and place to repent and sent people to them calling for their repentance. Uh, and my friends, we have people today uh, that are standing on the watchtowers uh, and standing on the walls of the city of Jerusalem figuratively, if you will, uh, and calling out for the ch God, children of God to repent and turn back to Him. And the question is, what are we going to do? <laughs> God's mercies, uh, uh, he tells us, uh, and, and I want to give you, instead of becoming in despair as we think about this, I want us to remember what Jeremiah thought of, uh, even in a time of chastise, but even in a time of despair, even in a time when they were being taken cap captive down there, Jeremiah says, you know what? Uh, it's of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. You know, even in a time of, uh, of time of chastisement, even in a time of despair, uh, Jeremiah could sit around and look at where they were and say, you know what, if God had mind to, he wouldn't just send us down into captivity, he would send us to death. <laughs> uh, God wouldn't just send us down into captivity, uh, uh, my friends. Uh, uh, you and I are in captivity in a sense today. We're in, in captivity to these old bodies. We're in captivity to the sin that uh, uh, does so easily beset us. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, but God, my friends, has, has seen fit for it not to consume us. And by His com compassions, my friends, you and I are not consumed. And by His compassion, 
passion, you and I will be delivered from this old body of sin, even in death, even in the time when you and I might be looking out upon things that are out in front of us and saying, you know what, I'm not going to make it. But yet there's a deliverance in that for the child of God. There's a compassion that God has that he didn't leave us in this forever. He didn't let us in the fall of Adam. We didn't just, he didn't say, well, okay, all of them are gone, my friends. He had compassion upon us and came back and delivered us through his death upon the cross. So he says, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. As we look out on a new year, part of the things I want to, I want us to think about as we go across this new year is think, you know what? Every day is a new day. You and I can look at yesterday and say, man, man, I messed up yesterday. I have failed again. I have uh, failed to, I failed to pray. I failed to do things that I should have done things that I shouldn't have thought things that I shouldn't think. I've done things, but you know what? Today's a new day. And you know what? Uh, uh, God's mercies are due every day and His compassions fail not. Uh, uh, every day when you and I get up, uh, we can think God's mercies are due today. Uh, it's not just about yesterday. Today's another day that I get to live and to serve uh, and to be and to be with, uh, uh, with the great God of God. So uh, he says that of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. For they, for they are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. God is the reason that we can have hope. Even in the midst of despair, in the midst of death, in the midst of sickness, in the, in the midst of moral decline, in the midst of what may or may not happen to our nation at some point out in the future. Uh, you say, uh, I'm getting to the age where, you know, I can look at it and say, well, you know, uh, it might hang in there through my lifetime. But I can look out on you and my children and my grandchildren. I say, you know, I don't know what will happen. I don't know what will happen in the next uh, 30 years, 40 years, uh, 50 years of lifetime that might lay in front of some of y'all. Uh, I don't know what it might be. But I can tell you where we should look uh, and where we can find a joy and a comfort and a peace uh, even in the midst of whatever despair might, uh, might fall before us because His compassions fail not. If we turn back over to the Psalms, uh, we'll find over in Psalm 145, I believe it is, uh, uh, a description there of our Lord. Uh, and I want you to listen. I, uh, I could spend probably the this, this sermon this morning uh, talking about and going through some of these various Psalms uh, uh, that David wrote. And, uh, and I'm going to start uh, a little bit here because... Uh, to even to get to the verse that I want to get to, I want you to hear the words of David as he as he praises God. I will extol thee, my God, um, O King. I will bless thy name forever and ever. Uh, every day. <laughs> hear, hear that? <laughs> His mercies are new every day. <laughs> David says, every day uh, I will bless thee. I will praise thy name forever and ever. Now, I'll tell you, uh, David uh, uh, had his faults. <laughs> David had his failings. Uh, David had times that we read through all the Psalms. We would read there were times when David cried out to, to God in a psalm in great despair and said, God, uh, my enemies are all about me. Uh, they're, 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 they try to take me every day. They try to catch me in a trap. They try to do things to me. Uh, there are those that are opposing me. And I'll tell you, uh, if you're trying to live righteously in this old present world, uh, there are 
there'll be those that will try to entrap you, uh, try to make you look bad, try to catch you doing something uh, uh, that they can. Uh, David fought those things, uh, but David remembered uh, where his great grace and mercy came from in his life. I will extol thee, my God, O King. I will bless thy name forever and ever. Every day will I bless thee, and I will praise thy name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think about the portion of Scripture that Isaiah recorded over there. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Uh, his, his ways and his thoughts are as high above us as the heavens are above the earth. Uh, uh, my friends, uh, you, can't, you can't understand, we can't understand just how great our God is. Uh, David says, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Uh, and his greatness uh, is unsearchable. One generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. Do you hear what David says one generation should do? (laughs) One generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty works. Part of what we should be doing as we're here in this old world is praising God and telling the next generation and the next generation and the next generation what great things God has done. David could look back in his day and time and say, you know what, look at to look at the things that God did in delivering the children of Israel out of Egypt's land. Look at how he was with them and fed them with manna in the wilderness. Look at all of these great things that he did uh, there for them. Uh, look how he established us as a nation. Look how he called a poor little old shepherd boy uh, uh, to be king uh, and how God enabled him to uh, enlarge the camps of Israel around there. David had all these things that he could cry and extol. But you and I, my friends, ought to look around and say, look how God took some people uh, uh, on a little boat from England uh, and brought it to a land uh, where they could gather together and worship God uh, unhindered uh, without rules and restrictions that they faced in England or the Netherlands or other places that they tried to sojourn. And look how this became a beacon of hope for people to come and settle here and gather here so much so that our founding fathers put it in there uh, uh, that the freedom of religion, my friends, uh, uh, to worship as men saw fit, uh, even in ways we don't agree with, uh, is defended by the Constitution uh, of the United States that we might have the freedom to gather together and worship our God. Do we thank God that he called some people to come here and that they actually set up a nation that gave us freedom that's unheard of in the history of the world? We have a great privilege here in this country in which we live. And and we take it so uh, casually. Uh, and, and, and people, uh, as I've said here before, you know, I pass by Walmart usually every Sunday morning coming to church here. Uh, there's a bigger crowd at Walmart uh, gathering goods, getting bread. I'm sure they had to get their bread and their milk today. Uh, so, uh, you know, they had to get all this stuff gathered up here because cold weather's coming. Uh, we, I think about people talk about. Uh, I'll tell a story. I, I'll tell a story to go with this. But you know, the first uh, the first week that I uh, of 1977. Uh, that I, I lived in Alabama working uh, down here at Miller Steam Plant. I had lived in Dothan before that and worked down there some. But I lived I working down there at Miller Steam Plant. And the first morning or two I got up to go to work, not only did we have sleet on the ground uh, during that first two or three days of January, uh, but the, the low that morning was three degrees. <clears throat> People talk about being cold, climate change. 
I mean, you know, give me a break. It was three degrees that morning. There was so much ice on the road that me and my Volkswagen could barely get across it. And those things are pretty good at driving in snow and ice. Uh, so, uh, uh, you know, you think about all these things. Uh, God, my friends, has been so compassionate and so great to us. It, one generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. I will speak, I will speak of the glorious honor of thy majesty and thy wondrous works. And men shall speak of the might of thy terrible acts, and I will declare thy greatness. Men will speak of the terrible things. Oh, look at what God did to the Egyptians. Uh, Oh, look at what God did to this, did to that. Uh, How could God? uh, He says, me, I'm going to talk about your greatness. I'm going to talk about the great things that God has done. And they shall abundantly utter the memory of thy great goodness uh, uh, and shall sing of thy righteousness. The Lord is gracious, full of compassion, slow to anger, and of great mercy. You think about the the example that we have in the Lord. The Lord, the Bible records for for us here through through the psalmist David. That he has great, he's full of compassion, uh, he's slow to anger and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are, are over all his works. All thy works shall praise thee, O Lord, and thy saints shall bless thee. You go on and you can read the rest of this. I, I mean, it's just a, a psalm of praise from, from uh, David talking about, I'll, I'll praise you every day. I'll get up every day and I'll say, thank you, God, for another day. Uh, uh, did David ever have people coming at his door? Why, sure he did. Uh, did David have people that were trying to kill him? Sure he did. Uh, did David ever have days when he was on the run uh, and in despair? Sure he did. Uh, but he, got, he writes down, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to extol you every day and I'm going to talk about your greatness. I'm going to talk about your goodness and your mercy. I'll give you a challenge for this year. Let's talk about the goodness of God. Let's talk about the greatness of God. Let's talk about the one that's full of compassion, uh, even in times of trouble and despair, as Jeremiah faced. Let's turn over to Psalm uh, 78, I think it is. And we'll take a look. In Psalm 78, uh, uh, the psalmist is basically going through a, a history of, of the children of Israel and the times that they faced uh, uh, coming out of Egypt. Uh, and he says, uh, and we'll try to try to go down through this if, uh, if we can real quickly and, and just take a look at some of the things that are written there. Y'all will be familiar with this. We'll start with verse 25 of Psalm 78. Man did eat angels' food. He sent them meat to full. He caused an east wind to blow in heaven, and by his power he brought a south wind. He rained flesh upon them as dust and feathered fowls like the sand of the sea. You remember how they uh, they got the longing? Uh, uh, Lord, we, we loathe this old light bread that you've given us, this angels' food that you've given us down here. Lord, we want some meat. So God caused the quail to come in and die uh, upon the camp. And the Bible says that uh, they were that the, the quail was uh, about knee deep uh, around the camp for more than a mile or more around the camp. God brought them all the flesh they could ever want. Um, and he says, and he let it fall in the midst of their camp, round about their habitations. So they did eat, and so were fe- uh, were well filled. And he gave them he gave them their own desire. I think I've said this before, you know. We need to be careful what we're desiring. They wanted meat. 
God gave them meat. He gave it till they were filled. And the Bible in the the Old Testament tells us uh, there in Numbers, they were filled till it ran out their nostrils. Now, that's gross, I know. uh, uh, But they wanted meat, so he gave them what they wanted. You know, sometimes we get things, the answer to the prayers that we have are fulfilled in ways we have no way of of seeing or foreseeing. Yet God has answered the prayer and has given us what we asked for. The only trouble is we weren't wanting exactly what we got, okay? Uh, And so uh, he gave them all their desire. They were not estranged from their lust. But while their meat was yet in their mouths, the wrath of God came upon them and slew the fattest of them and smote down the chosen men of Israel or the young men. Men. For all this, they sinned still. You know, I, I, thought, I don't know that I'd ever really thought about this till I was reading this psalm, and I thought it says, "And yet they sinned still." You know, you think about it; uh, it was a miracle. God's deliverance out of the out of the land of Israel. It was it was there were miracle after miracle after miracle, and the fact that they were you know water from the rock, angels' food, uh, manna being given to them, all these things were miracles, and. And the fact, can you imagine, uh, you know, you think about those of us that, uh, uh, even if you don't do a little hunting, you know, you know something about going out and uh, maybe shooting quail and shooting. And, I mean, you've got to go out there and work. Uh, I mean, you know, you can get a bag of 40 or 50 or whatever on a good day out there hunting quail maybe or something, uh, but you're going to work for it. Now to suddenly see the quail come in, a wind blow from this direction, that direction, all the quail come in and just flop down and die. Surely you might notice and say, this must be the Lord. Uh, This must be God working. We asked for meat and wow, look at here. I mean, you know, it's up to our knees. It's all around the camp. It's everywhere. And for all this, they sinned still. And believed not for his wondrous works. They couldn't even see that in the midst of this, where he filled their belly with what they really, you know, in a way that they really didn't want to be filled, that this was the work of God, that God was with them. And he says, therefore their days did, uh, did he consume in vanity and their years in trouble. You don't recognize God working in your life? He says, therefore their days did he, did he consume in vanity. And their years in trouble. You don't recognize how God's working in you. God can cause cause your a pocket to be filled with holes, uh, as He talks about over in the book of Haggai. Uh, how they gave He gave them uh, uh, holes in their pockets so they never could get rich, even though they were robbing uh, material from the that was set aside to build the temple again and taking it and building their houses with it, to, thinking they would somehow get ahead, just like they were going to get ahead when they uh, planted those. <coughs> crops every seventh year that they were supposed to let the, they were going to get ahead and do better and do it and he says I'm going to get my time I'll put holes in your pockets uh, so that you'll not get ahead you'll not get rich uh, you'll not get uh, the things that you're looking for and he gave them quail and meat as they asked and they sinned still and they believed not for his wondrous works therefore their days did he consume in vanity wasted time and their years in trouble and when he slew them then they saw when he slew them in other words, now all of a sudden, uh, let's uh, let's uh, open the earth up and let's let Korah and his family drop down in there after they had uh, uh, blasphemed against the men of God that the God had sent to lead them. Uh, now he opens up the earth and he sl- he slays them, puts them to death, and it says, "Then they sought him, and they returned and inquired early after God, and they remembered that God was their rock." <laughs> 
and the high God, their Redeemer. They, oh, wait, God. Oh, yeah, we've, uh, we've been out here 70 years wandering in the wilderness. Uh, and, oh, yeah, God is our rock. God is our deliverer. God is our Redeemer. Nevertheless, they did flatter him with their mouth. And they lied to him with their tongues. Boy, they, they, in other words, they said God was their rock and their redeemer, but they really, you know, today we'd use a term which I probably won't use here in a stand. So anyway, uh, they were just trying to be, uh, kind of get, get up next to God, right? And be nice to him, kind of like people do with their boss sometimes, trying to, trying to make up, you know. Uh, anyway, we, you know what I'm talking about. So nevertheless, they flattered him with their mouth and they lied to him with their tongues, for their heart was not right with him. Neither were they steadfast in his covenant. But he, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity and destroyed them not. Yea, many a time turned he his anger away and did not stir up all his wrath. God was compassionate even in his anger. It says he turned away his fierce wrath and anger and was compassionate on them and didn't destroy them. And that tells me, my friends, God would have been just if he had destroyed them. But God had compassion upon them and did not do it. I mean... uh, uh, thy, thy compassions are are, are, are are full of compassion. He's full of mercy. His grace is new every day. And so today, when me and you are looking at the trials and the troubles and the things that we're facing, you know what? We might look around and say, God's compassion is sure great to me. Because if it wasn't for his compassion, surely we would be consumed and we'd be destroyed. Uh, and God would be just in all that he might do to us. So now then, uh, we'll, uh, we'll maybe take a, a turn uh, a little bit further over. Let's turn over into uh, uh, the book of Psalms a little further. Let's turn over to Psalm uh, 111 and 112. And we'll take, uh, again, uh, the psalmist writing some things. Praise ye the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart. Psalm 111. Uh, in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation, the works of the Lord are great, sought out of all them that have pleasure therein. His work is honorable and glorious, and His righteousness uh, endureth forever. He hath made His wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. We turn down to Psalm 112. Praise the Lord. Bless, uh, blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth uh, greatly in his commandments. His seed shall be mighty upon the earth, and the, the generation of the upright shall be blessed. Wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endureth forever. Under the upright there ariseth light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. Again, we see over and over and over again, He's full of compassion. He's full of compassion. He's full of compassion. Let's turn over to the New Testament book of Matthew. Brother, Brother Adam's been bringing us message after message after message uh, uh, from the book of Matthew. And hopefully uh, we remember some of these things and uh, uh, call to mind some of the things that, uh, that are laid out here uh, in this word. But it says, uh, and we'll begin, we'll begin by going over to the latter part of this. Uh, it says that... Uh, and I'll just I'll have to dive into the middle of this because the, the, the latter part of this is about two blind men. But then he goes into verse 32. He says, They went out, and behold, they, they brought him a dumb man possessed with a devil. And when the devil was cast out of the dumb, the dumb spake, and the multitudes marveled, saying, It has never been so in Israel. Now they're seeing Jesus Christ who's, uh, who's made the blind to see and he's made the dumb to talk. And he says, uh, It was never so uh, seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said... He casted out the devils through the prince of devils. 
And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. And because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd, uh, he then said he to the disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. God has a harvest here upon the earth. And Christ looked upon the multitudes that had no shepherd, that had no one to tend to the flock and keep them. I'll tell you, today I hear people uh, uh, bemoaning the fact, and, and, and true enough, True enough that God, uh, uh, as we look upon churches in, uh, in the area and in across the country, we say there seems to be less and less ministers to, to serve, less shepherds to keep watch on the flock. Uh, God is not unaware. We need to be praying God would have compassion uh, and praying God would send laborers into his harvest. My friends, he said uh, that's how we ought to pray. Even in his day, 2,000 years ago when he was here on the earth, he looked at the people and said there's nobody to tend to them, nobody to take care of them. Uh, he says pray that the Lord of the harvest uh, uh, might uh, uh, send laborers. He said the laborers of you, pray the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Pray that he will do this. We ought to be asking for God to do this. Uh, there are several places here, and we may touch on some of them, but if I, if I don't touch on all of them, I know you're aware of them. There were times when the multitudes followed after Jesus. He went out into a desert land to speak. Uh, and uh, as he spoke to those people there, the multitudes followed him. They had already been listening to him teach uh, before he decided to go separate himself from them out into the desert. Uh, and he looked upon them there, and he says, it's been three days that they had been here and had nothing to eat and he had compassion upon them and he took a few fishes and a few loaves and he fed the multitudes there in that place. Uh, let's turn over to Mark uh, chapter 1 and we'll find in Mark chapter 1. I give you some of those examples. There were times when Jesus had compassion upon the multitudes. He looked out on the multitudes, had compassion on them, asked for people to pray. There's no, no laborers. Uh, the laborers are few. Uh, the harvest is big. Uh, pray that the Lord of the harvest will send laborers into his harvest. Uh, that's compassion upon the multitude. He looked upon the multitudes of those that followed him here, uh, that were hungry because they'd been there three days listening to him. And uh, he told us, take the few fishes, take the loaves, and feed the multitudes because he had compassion. Now, in Mark chapter 1, we turn over. And we find a place, uh, and he says, uh, uh, he says this, uh, and we'll have to again dive in. Uh, he says, <clears throat> and he came in uh, verse 30, but Simon's wife, wife's mother lay sick of a fever, and anon they tell, tell him of her. And he came and he took her by the hand, verse 31, Mark chapter 1, and lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and she ministered unto them. And even uh, and at even when the sun did set, they brought unto him uh, all that were diseased and them that were possessed with devils. And all the city uh, was gathered together at his door. And he healed many that were sick of divers' diseases and cast out many devils and suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him. Uh, there's a whole other sermon in all of that. Uh, they knew him. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. And Simon and they that uh, were with him followed after him. And when they found him, they said unto him, All men seek for thee. And he said unto them, Let us go to the next towns, let, that I may preach there also. For, there, for therefore I came, came I forth. Uh, in other words, he came to preach. 
He came to deliver a message. He came to heal. We remember when John the Baptist uh, was questioning upon the time of his death. Uh, uh, are, are thou the Christ or do we look for another? Uh, and, uh, and Jesus said, you go tell John again <laughs> these things. Uh, the blind are healed. The deaf are made to hear. Uh, uh, the lame are made to walk. And the poor have the gospel preached to them. Uh, that was a, a direct quote, if you will, right out of Isaiah chapter 61 or so. Uh, and he was said, you go tell John these things again. Uh, and so he preached uh, uh, in their synagogues uh, throughout Galilee and cast out devils. Uh, and there came a leper to him, beseeching him. I, I, I went through those others to get to, to these, some of these. There were times when Jesus had compassion on just one. And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou, can, thou canst make me clean. This leper called and says... I know, I've seen, I've heard maybe of the work that you've done. I know you can make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand. That was a no-no, by the way, to touch a leper. Uh, put forth his hand and touched him and saith unto him, I will thou be clean. Uh, those that touched lepers were declared unclean. Jesus touched him and he was made clean. Uh, this he said, uh, I know you can make me clean. And Jesus had compassion on this one. Let's turn over uh, to Mark. Uh, uh, further in Mark uh, uh, chapter 5. Uh, and he says this, uh, uh, this is the story of the swine uh, and uh, uh, of the of the uh, of the uh, devils being in the man and uh, Jesus casting them into the swine and they come to Jesus with the devil and had uh, that and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right hand and were afraid and they that saw it told uh, them how it befell him that he was possessed of the devil and also concerning the swine and they began to pray uh, pray him to depart out of their coast they were scared of Jesus because of the miracle that he had done. And when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends. Tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. You know what? If me and you look around at our, at our lives... This man that had the, the devil, the legion in him, the Bible doesn't record that he was rich. The Bible doesn't record that he had a lot of worldly goods. The Bible doesn't record that he was some great man in the community or any of those kind of things. But he could look on what great things the Lord had done for him. He says, you go tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and hath had compassion on thee. I'll tell you today, me and you, uh, we're born of the Spirit of God. And I know I'm looking out on a, on a congregation full of born-again people this morning. Uh, and I want to tell you, God had compassion on you. God had compassion on us. Uh, and if we had nothing else in this world but the hope of a heaven at the end of this life, we could say we are great things God has done for us. Uh, we can say, God has cast a devil out of us. Uh, God has uh, blessed us this morning. Uh, and, uh, and the stories go on. I'll not go into every, every story that's laid out in the New Testament here uh, where he talks about having compassion. Jesus had compassion whether it was multitudes or one individual. God at time, Jesus Christ had compassion for them many times. Now let's turn over to 1 Peter chapter 3. We get over to 1 Peter chapter 3. 
and I, I, I could die. I will dive back in for just a second to Hebrews since I've spent so much time preaching through Hebrews. I'll dive back into Hebrews uh, uh, chapter uh, ten for just a minute, just to say that while Jesus, while uh, the writer, the the apostle Paul was calling on these people to remember what God had done for them and what blessings He had gave to them, He also says, "For ye had verse thirty four, for ye had compassion of me." In my bonds. One of the praises he gave to the Hebrew brethren that he had traveled among, he says, you had compassion on me. I was, I was in bondage. I was imprisoned. I was taken captive by, by the Romans. I was maybe traveling through your area. But you had compassion on me in my bonds. And he, remem- he remembered that. Uh, and we turn over to First Peter chapter 3. We'll find over there. You know the story of Abraham and Sarah, and he's telling uh, uh, Abra- Abraham and Sarah, you know this, he says, uh, uh, likewise, verse 7, ye husbands, uh, dwell with them, uh, uh, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor to the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrawise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. We are called upon to be compassionate one with another. Finally, he says, be compassionate one to another. I'll tell you that love has marked and is supposed to mark God's children and God's household through how they live and what they do. He says, be compassionate one for another. Remember to be, have compassion and show that for one another because that's what God's children are supposed to do. Uh, and as, uh, as we think about this time of the year, uh, I, know, I know we got, you know, and this is just an example, but I, I'll tell you, it's an example that, that I give to say this morning. I know some of you here, some of you got the text message last night. There, there are people get, that are going to be setting up a place, a warming station down here in Jasper. You know what they've asked? They've asked that uh, if you have any kind of things like coats or, or uh, other stuff, food, money, other things that you can give, says give it to them. Uh, they're going to give it to those that are standing in need during this time of this cold weather coming in and maybe those that don't have a place to go. You know what we should do? Be compassionate. Except uh, for the grace of God and the mercy of God and the compassion of God, there go I. It could be me that's standing out in need one day, standing in need of someone to try to help me along the way. Be compassionate one for another. Let's turn over to 1 John chapter 3, and we'll close out here uh, this morning. Marvel not, verse, uh, 1 John chapter 3, uh, uh, verse 13, Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. He's telling love is the mark of God's children. And we know that we pass from a death in sins to a life in Christ because we love one another. That's one of the, one of the markers. It may not be the only marker, but it is a marker. So you know what? If you love God's children, it's because God first loved you. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. Ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whosoever hath his, this world's good, and see his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God 
in him. It doesn't mean that you're not a child of God, but it does mean it's not dwelling in you like it should and like we should live here. You know, how can you see your brother have a need and not have compassion on him? Uh, we're not God. God has compassion on whom he would. And whom he would not, he does not have compassion. But we're not him. I'm not that smart. And I'm willing to guess neither are you. <clears throat> we're, we're to show forth the love of God in our heart. Be compassionate. And you know what? As I close this out, I'll just also turn back over to Lamentations for just a minute and remind you of those words that Jeremiah saw. In time of despair, in time of trouble, in our time that we don't know what 2018 is going to bring. Thank God we don't. We don't know what it might bring into our lives. We know what some of the years past have brought. It been, brings great joy and sometimes great sorrow. But they, Jeremiah said, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. God is faithful, my friends. His compassion, His mercy endureth forever. And one of these days, <clears throat> his compassion is going to be so great, he's going to say, you know what? I'm calling the end of this show. And I'm going to wrap it all up, and I'm going to take my children home to be with me. His compassions will not fail, my friends, because it will eventually carry you and I home to be with him. May God bless you. Is our prayers. We look out on a new year. Uh, let us remember to be more like our Lord, and let us be uh, try to be more compassionate and tender-hearted uh, as we journey through this old world. May God bless you as our prayer.